Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Big thanks to our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us each and every Wednesday, Gordo. So it'll be fun to talk to Locke and where he is about the NBA possibly going again, if it's even possible. Why don't you ask him about your opinion as far as amateurism goes? Uh, Why? David's the radio voice of a professional sports team. I know, but he's a sound thinker, and it'd be interesting to hear his point of view on that. Or do you just know that it aligns with yours? No, I don't know that. And I really so don't know. you would be eager to hear what his response would be. I really don't know where he is on that. You are I, so I, full I, of it. No, I really don't. You've known David for a long, long time, and you don't know where he stands on that topic, which has been a sports radio topic since, well, you founded Sports Radio Godfather? <laughs> Well, see, I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole David into just being a jazz expert. I, he's a he's a well-read, and he has strong opinions, and it would be fun to hear what he has to say about not just what the jazz are up to, but also other things. Just admit that it's self-serving. I really don't know. Just admit I, that it's self-serving, and you can ask him all you want. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to, to talking with David. Just admit that it's self-serving, that you know. Just admit you know. How do you handle it, Jake, when when other people, reasonable people, disagree with you? Not that I'm calling myself reasonable, but, uh, I mean, uh, do you uh, do you just automatically believe that they are absolutely 100% wrong? Or, or what? Depends on what we're talking about here. I mean, you, yeah, most of the time. <laughs> no, I, I believe in most things the middle ground prevails. I, I think I'm pretty good at seeing both sides of things. That doesn't mean I agree with both sides of things. And do you see both sides of this particular issue of which we've been disagreeing about today? Yeah, but I mean, there's one side that's right and one side that's wrong. <laughs> okay. I could see the other side, sure. <laughs> All right. All right. Just one time. One time. I would like to be a fly on the wall listening to you who think you are always right getting into a discussion with your attorney wife who probably can uh, can uh, defeat you when it comes to uh, a good argument. All right, let's get out to the sprint. What, nothing? You're not even going to respond to that? Well, we have a guest waiting. And it's a very important guest at that. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line, Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Hi, David. Okay, so I have not followed the NCAA story very well. I know the O'Bannon lawsuit, and I know some of it. Please, each of you give me your case, and I'll decide. 
Gordon, you want to go first, or you want me to? Oh, okay, I'll just I'll just summarize it this way. For some reason, Jake has glommed onto this glorification of excuse amateurism. me, excuse me, clarification. I don't need personal attacks. I just need facts. Okay, <laughs> Thank you, David. Yes, Gordon, <laughs> keep this. Let's not make this personal. Okay, so Jake is in love with amateurism. The definition of, of amateurism that has been defined, in, at least clearly in his mind, and I am more, I side on the side of the athletes and think there could be some middle ground to allow them some opportunity to get gain that is objectionable to Jake. I think there's value in amateurism, and I think the the argument that athletes don't get a return for playing sports is ludicrous. And uh, I think what they, basically what they did today, David, is they open up kind of rules where you can benefit off your likeness, but they withheld some stuff like uh, the shoe and apparel money, which they can't benefit off of, which is just complete hypocrisy. But it just comes down to the value and if you believe in amateur athletics or not. And this is the NCAA kind of opening the door, but not really. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle on this. Okay? Okay. If I am a uh, flutist at UCLA and I have an opportunity and I play for the UCLA Symphony, you know, the school, and I do their theater productions, but I also have a chance to be a part of a movie. I can do it, right? Uh, Yeah. If I'm a flutist at UCLA, are there any limits on my hours of practice? Uh, I don't know. Doubt it. And if I'm a flutist, can I major in music? You can. Why can't a basketball player do that? Why can't a basketball player use their sporting ability outside of while still participating for the team in a manner to make money? Why can't a basketball player practice as many hours as they want to and as they'd like to? And why can't they major in basketball? I agree with you on that last point. I think you should be able to major in athletics. I 100% agree with that. But is your flautist, uh, you know, practicing with the orchestra all that time? I would guess that that's limited. I mean, a college athlete can certainly go to the, you know, 24-hour fitness and get up shots. So I don't know if that that directly correlates. And and can the if the flautist records music with the orchestra from the university, can that flautist make money off of it privately? I don't think so. Right, but a player really probably can't do anything that they're doing playing for UCLA either, right? And by the way, I'm glad to know that you know it's a flautist instead of a flutist, which I didn't even know, so just call me the freaking dummy here. But um, yeah, I mean, I just think, I've said this, like this whole G League thing that's going on, which is really not G League either, by the way. They're like, they're not playing in the G League. They're on some G League, like, developmental team that plays international and exhibition games. They're not actually playing in the G League. Um, but I've always said, if I had a top 20 prospect, I'd never let them go to college. Because, like, they, they're, first, they're, you're not going to, you know, in that case, when you're one and done, you're not even going to college. But two, it's like the whole thing is set up against you. Everything. You're not allowed to get as good as you want to get. You're not allowed to profit off it. You're not, I mean, you have to, like, major in basketball. Like, frankly, none of us, like, what was your major, Jake? Communication. 
Okay, so you're like the one person out there using their major. Like, I was a sociology, <laughs> political science major. Like, and why, if you want to major, in, why can't they major in basketball? They could learn about nutrition and strength and conditioning and coaching and all sorts of things. Like, there's a there's an absolute curriculum to that. I like, why not? That. I agree with that 100%. Why not? How, how do you so feel, there just David, needs to be a fundamental shift in which the system is built for the athlete instead of the school. How or, do you feel or the about, athlete about inside the school. Yeah, how do you feel about an athlete uh, gaining uh, money, filthy lucre, for his likeness? So who else is gaining the money for his likeness? Everybody else. What's my other choice? My other choice is that everybody else but him? Um, Do you want to put it in a trust that in some fashion he doesn't get until he's out of college. I'm not sure why you should restrict that in any way, but we could discuss that if there's some value to that, but I still don't see why he shouldn't, he or she shouldn't get the right to it. Jake. Um, well, where does that value come from? Does it come from their performance on the field or does it become from their involvement with the university? Because you could make an argument that how worthwhile would that college athlete, what, what would his likeness and what would his brand be worth if he was playing AAA basketball in Laramie, Wyoming? Nothing. Well, he didn't get asked to play in Laramie, Wyoming. He got asked to play in UCLA. And if he's playing in Laramie, Wyoming, he's not going to get anything more than the circled Flying J Truck Stop sponsorship because right. that's all there is. In so, so who generates the value in that case? Then the player. Well, the LA? kid, the sophomore in high school in in Michigan who just won Player of the Year as a sophomore, he's creating his own value right now. And he's one person. We're talking about a whole system. We're going to uproot the whole system for one player or a handful of players that actually are worth more than what they generate, or worth well, more than what they take. Well, I in? think the. You know, on that idea, then the market speaks. If there really aren't, if you're true that there's not that many players that have that much value, then the market will speak it. Well, and then that player shouldn't go to play college. Then don't go. But Jake, no one's forcing you you to go. You know, it's more than a handful. It's not more than a handful. It's like Jimmer, Johnny Manziel, Magic Johnson, and that's like it. No, there are a lot. Fine, then Johnny Manziel and Magic Johnson, and the market will speak. Listen to me being a conservative here. Let the free market speak. (laughs) If the left guard at Texas A&M does not have any value. More than he gets his scholarship and he goes to classes and he should be allowed to major in football and be able to practice and go to the weight room as much as he wants and he should be able to do it, have freedoms that every other student at the school has. And if he has no outside likeness value, then that's fine. Then he doesn't get a sponsorship at the local Marie calendars, but the running back does. What about the booster who owns the local Marie calendars? He says, Hey, give me, I'll give you half a million dollars for that autograph. All you have to do is play for my university. Good for the kids. It's already happening. Like, come on, be honest. Yeah, but this come just, on, you watch the NFL draft, right? It basically makes it legal, though, and it be, it will give the the haves much more of an advantage. Than oh, the so there's the real issue. There, you just revealed the. I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to actually reveal the issue. The issue is that you're not worried about the athletes. You're worried about competitive balance for your schools that aren't in Southern California or aren't in major markets that might not have as much of that. That's the, oh, so we're worried about that, but we're not the athlete. Oh, I'm, I'm worried about competitive balance of college sports. Sure. Why not? What's wrong with that? That's fine. But are you, you're, so that should punish the athlete for that? You're, you see, this is you and Gordon are on the same page on this because Gordon used the word blame earlier. The the student athlete is not being punished. 
Not being punished in any way, shape, or form. They get tax-free okay, room and board. They get tax-free education. No, they get that. food and facilities. All that stuff matters. Health care. All that stuff costs be- a ton of money, and they're getting it tax-free. Sure. And they're being denied. So the, those that are capable of getting more are being denied that because you're worried about competitive balance. A minute ago, you said it was so few players. Why does it matter? Uh, well, I guess I'm I'm valuing more an opportunity for a player that wouldn't follow into that category, I guess. Yeah, I'm valuing that player that can get themselves into a better life situation because they take advantage of a college education and a profile but, that comes with playing college but sports. But a minute ago, you just told me there's only Johnny Manziel and Magic Johnson and very few people that do this. Right. And though, by the way... I didn't see those people going to small schools anyway. They were all going to the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Texas A&Ms and the SECs and the UCLAs of the world anyway, those marquee athletes. So it's not a competitive balance. We have a competitive balance problem now that the marquee schools get the marquee players now. It's not actually going to change anything. It's going to make it worse. And you just told me it's so very few players that are involved. Why deny those very few players while allowing every other player to get the benefits you're talking about? I didn't say very few players were involved. I said very few players were actually worth it. If we were talking about somebody's market value, then maybe I'd come along with you, but we're not. We're talking about an excuse to bribe a player. So who whose market are you trying to protect? Are you trying to protect the boosters from overpaying for no, young athletes no, no, no. who don't deserve that money? Who uh, are you trying to protect? I'm saying the, the labor rules in this country are, are set up as such that we create exceptions to circumvent the rules, and, and amateurism is one of those exceptions. Just like the NBA draft is one of those exceptions because it's collectively bargained. In, in normal business function, you couldn't tell somebody where to go work. That's ridiculous. But you, you make exceptions and you create these rules – and amateurism is one of those rules. And if you if there's a crack in the dam and you say this is illegal, this is antitrust, you've got to pay these guys, well then college sports goes away. And I don't want to see that and call me selfish, but yeah, I'm selfish. I don't want to see college sports go anywhere. Middle, I think a lot middle, of people benefit. Jake, there's middle ground here. Come on. College sports is not going away from this. Come on now. But I admire your ability to take the argument to the extreme. It's a good tactic. <laughs> well, we're already headed down that road, so we'll see wait, how it goes, wait, wait. I guess. This has been one of my favorite segments that we've ever done. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. All right, your, so can I share? Actually, Jake, I'm going to get really deep and philosophical here. All right. <laughs> so uh, I do have another little venture on the side of a podcast network, and I'm trying to manage a staff through COVID-19, and it's not really one who's schooled, and I'm a play-by-play announcer, not a CEO. I don't really know how to do this. And so I was, had, we had a big call yesterday with a huge amount of staff, and I just was sharing with all of them that my feeling of what's lacking right now, and you guys probably don't have this, which is really fortunate about your job. What's lacking right now is sparks. That through your daily, regular life, when you move through a day, you touch different people at different times, and sometimes it could be at the grocery store, and sometimes it could be at the coffee shop, and sometimes it could be seeing someone you didn't expect to see, and sometimes it's the water cooler at the office, and you get a spark. Somebody, somebody says something, somebody sparks a thought, somebody makes you laugh, you make somebody else laugh, and you get a little kinetic energy from that, and, and that's what I think we're all lacking right now is that spark that we get in our days that gives us an extra thought or gives us a different point of view or gives us something else that we'd have otherwise. And so I want to thank you because you just gave me my spark for the day. 
Okay. Hey, glad we can help. That's why we're here. You help us every single week, David. Glad we could help you in return. And there by the way, I uh, would encourage everybody, the uh, Lock, Locked On Podcast Network, check it all out. And uh, David, I know you've worked very, very hard on that. And this is uh, tough times for a lot of business owners and people who run businesses. And our best to you and yours, man. Good for you. Are you trying to imply that you think having 140 sports podcasts in a sports environment with no sports is not the greatest business model you've ever heard of? Is that what you're saying, Jake? No, no, no. I, I'm saying, David, I bet it's a challenge <laughs> that you and your staff are up for. No, no. In all honesty, sympathies, because it can't be easy, my man. So I'm glad you're I would like it. to uh, actually just I'll share and then we can move on to if there's anything else you want to talk about. So tribute to our NFL host. They did have the draft, but they've been plugging through and we set an all time record, had almost a million listens last week on the NFL channel. Wow. That's great. That's terrific. Yeah. So I'll, a little good I'll, news. I'll, I'll make a prediction, David. At no other time in your life will you have a season where you go without sports. It will never happen again. Um here's a really interesting one I was talking to someone about today. So I'm a believer that we're going to – I'm very optimistic that we're going to play basketball and then, then we'll start in December next year. So that's kind of been my thought. So, But I'm not very optimistic about college football. Like I'm kind of like about 10% chance of college football getting off. Like I thought USC's little news note yesterday was really, really important that they've canceled both their summer sessions so that no kids are on campus until at least late August. Like, well, they're supposed to play a football game somewhere in there. So – like how you bring, I think, you know, on this whole conversation, if we, if we want to see truly how corrupt college sports are when they suddenly say, hey, we don't think the campus is safe for students, but the football team, we need you to come back right now so we can get our revenue going. Like that's going to be a telling moment in this process. Um, so the NBA goes and plays in December, moves their schedule to get away from football, tries this as a sample to see how it works when they suddenly aren't competing with the NFL and they're competing with Major League Baseball instead, and then college football decides to start their season on March 15th. <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle of that sample. College football plays March, April, and May. I heard someone's opinion yesterday, David, that if there is no college football, there it will absolutely devastate uh, college uh, athletics around the country. I think uh, we've already seen university... Well, We've seen some schools use excuses right now, but I think then you'll see some legitimate, you know, University of Cincinnati already cut their soccer program. Yeah, no, it would be uh, – uh, the, the, the college athletic model is propped up in an – you know, it's, a, it's not a business model that any of us would invest in because it's too prop, too top-heavy and propped up by football. And so, yeah, you lose, you lose that, you're in trouble. But, yeah, there's plenty of money out there to pay these guys, right? Well, you got to have free free. No, wait, 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 wait. That was Jake. Jake. <laughs> yes. Don't try that with me. We're not talking about the colleges paying these guys. We're talking about outside sources I know, paying them. So, I know. I couldn't resist. So, okay. Well, don't. I mean, come on. You're married to a lawyer. She would tell you that those are damaging things to do in front of the jury when you just set a little pop shot that's not part of your plan. Stay on target. Oh, stay on point. That's good advice. Well, hey, elaborate on the on the December thing you were talking about, because I've heard a little bit about that, too, that maybe if, if the playoffs can be salvaged, you bump back next year and you try to play catch-up that maybe could last a couple of years, right? So, two-part take. So, my take is, one, is that the primary thing that I think the NBA office is worried about is the 2020-2021 season as much as they're worried about this one. And how do you make that the most normal season you can have for fans' experience and revenue? And the, the, the way to do that is you start as late as possible. 
So we could start, I think, as late as December 18th or so, maybe even December 25th. But I, I would all argue you probably want the week before that. So if you start then in this process, then that, I think, takes you to having training camp somewhere around the Monday after Thanksgiving. You back that up. It takes you to about September 29th or so is the last day you could play the finals. And so why I'm optimistic that we're going to play this year and finish up the season is because of the fact that we will – it, you have enough runway to do it. I don't think the NHL has that same runway. Major League Baseball can't really be having the World Series in Christmas, you know, in the snow in December. So they're going to have to truncate. NHL, I don't think, has the capability of pushing back. Then part two of it is that I do think that the NBA has been really – it's, you know, three about five days before COVID – at the Sloan Conference in Boston, the owner of the Atlanta Hawks put out a paper discussing how you should move the NBA schedule back starting in December, running through August, and uh, not competing with any football. You know, at the time I read that, my thought at the time was, there's no way an owner of the NBA puts out a paper like that without approval. Right? You can't have an owner of your, one of your franchises putting it out there without somebody saying, yeah, that's interesting, at least worth a thought. So it's clearly something that's been talked about. The more you've heard about it at the time, it was something that was very legitimately people thought had value. The question is, the key question is whether you can have enough TV audience in July and August when everybody's in the summer or whether or not you'd kill your TV ratings and the networks wouldn't do it. Well, I think the networks are baseball such a bad ratings game right now that I think the TV networks would love to have July and August coverage. So therefore, Let's try it and see what happens and start late December, go to August and see if that works for the league as the new schedule away from football. If it doesn't work and it's too late, then I think you can go move it back. The, you know, you can start working your way back over the years the other way. So that's, that's the analysis there. So, David, if the season does get finished up, what form will it take? You know, that is unknown. There's a weird story in The Athletic the other day about, like, well, the Warriors figure they're not having to play. And maybe the Warriors are right, but I sure like the fact that now the Warriors are 16 and 50. They don't think they have to play anymore. Like, um, Jesus, you know. Um, teams have been doing this for years and actually had to finish seasons. Um, but Golden State doesn't have to. Um I think that I don't know how, what it takes. Uh, I think it takes in Vegas one setting, no fans, TV only, TV radio, you know, TV broadcast to fans, radio broadcast to fans. Um, and I think that there's a chance that you try to move some of the playoffs into home arenas with crowds, depending on where we are uh, as a country in the summer heat. And do you support regular testing for the players who are involved? Um. Uh, why would I not support it? Because some people don't have access to testing, at least. So that would have to be, you know, I'd have to understand that. We'd have to know at that time what our testing capabilities are, right? Right. right. You know, we're stuck at 150,000 a day. We don't seem to be able to break through that number right now. I'm hoping we're going to be able to break through that number at some point in time. And then if we're, you know, where we should be and should have been this whole time, then maybe it's not as big a question. Well, David, thank you as always for dropping by. We greatly appreciate it. It's always fun uh, jousting about a variety of topics. I, I particularly enjoyed this uh, visit on your part, David. Thank you for your common sense. Thank you for being my uh, spark, Jake. My pleasure. Fun. My pleasure, my friend. Hey, I'm glad to hear you guys are doing well. Congrats on the on the big day with the draft. Thank you. See you guys. See ya. There you go. That's David Locke. Of course, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and he is the creator of the Locked On Podcast Network, and he's uh, he's got a lot out there locally and uh, across the country as well.
Is any argument going to change your mind on this? Oh, no, because David wasn't right either. <laughs> okay. What? Well, I mean, that's what makes the world go around. Difference of opinions, all right? He's a smart guy, you know, but we're not all 100 for 100. <laughs> you know what I was going to ask him about, and I keep forgetting every week, and, and maybe next time we have David on for an hour uh, or a little bit longer, I, I keep wanting to ask him to break down the T-shirt cannon episode from his perspective for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be that would be kind of entertaining. Because I know that's that's quickly become one of your favorites. Well, I mean, it is it is kind of funny. Does he have a good sense of humor about that, or is uh, I think so? Is, I've heard him that, talk. That I've heard him talk memory. about it before. Yeah, no, no, no. I I think he he talks about how it just goes to break so abruptly because I think he fell off his chair. See, that's what I say. We got to ask him about it. I think it I think it knocked him off his chair. Uh well, uh, all right. Well, I'm glad he wasn't seriously hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because that—that's what I thought. So you're when not I first heard it. You're not wishing injury. I thought, oh my gosh, David. that's what he David. thought too. Strangely <laughs> enough, I thought right, he okay. Time out now. One fifty-seven left. I didn't get to see the replay on that. We'll try to see if we can get it. We come back. Jazz by nine. One fifty-seven left in the set. Oh my god. <laughs> I like to leave it at that. Amazing. All right, coming up next, we do have some breaking news in the world of sports, some not-so-good news. We'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone thank you very much for making us a part of your wednesday we greatly appreciate it gordon uh, i want to want to get to this um and I'll, I'll give out the credentials of this report but it is uh, it is newsworthy if uh, if true so this is coming from uh a website called lookoutlanding.com which is part of the sb nation network and it's uh, done by a reporter named Joe E. Doyle. His uh, Twitter account is at Joe Doyle, M-I-L-B, and he covers minor league baseball for uh, a variety of different sources. Um, now, uh, but keep this in mind, he has about 1,800 Twitter followers, but so I'm, I'm not sure, but this is a report that's out there and it's circulating the uh, web now. Uh, this report says, according, according to multiple agents representing minor league players, messaging went out Wednesday that there will not be a minor league season in 2020. Instead, Major League Baseball will expand rosters for a condensed big league season. There will, however, be a subsequent developmental league training and potentially playing games out of spring training facilities. Wow. Well, if that's true, what a shame. What a shame. On the other hand, for those for those players who are top level in AAA baseball, they they may actually enjoy the fact that they can be part of an expanded roster at the major league level. But for those who love going to the ballpark, for those who love the experience of a Utah summer evening 
with uh, the temperatures uh, resting right around 70 degrees, the beautiful view of the mountains, getting a, uh, a brat or a hot dog with all the fixings on it and enjoying a terrific family environment. What a shame. What a shame. Well, and again, uh, we have not heard anything from the bees. Nothing. So so we don't know. There's been certainly nothing official. This is one report from a, a, a reporter that apparently covers minor league baseball. So maybe we find out this is uh, hashtag fake news. But it is it is something that's got to be hanging out there. And, and Gordon, I'm not that concerned about the players. Um, you, you know, I think Major League Baseball uh, will find a way to develop the players and to, you know, the expanding the rosters or whatever. And there are probably some players that that'll get squeezed with this. And I do feel bad. But, you know, my heart goes into the, the minor league franchises out there that are, you know, just basically staying afloat for the love of baseball. You know, nobody's owning a minor league baseball team to make a zillion dollars. And, uh, you know, with the Salt Lake Bees here, uh, you know, the Miller Group op- owns them and it's a stable company and they're certainly fortunate. But I, I worry about some other minor league franchises out there that probably are going to have a real difficult time keeping the lights on missing an yeah. entire season. I mean, that that is going to be rough on minor league sports. And we talked about how if there's no football season, college sports, we're going to have a tough time. Well, I'll tell you what, if there's not a minor league baseball system, there are dozens of minor league franchises out there that are going to have a tough time. And, you know, you think of the role the bees play in our community. I mean, that's not unique. You know, some of these minor league franchises in, in smaller towns or, or mid-sized markets or whatever, that's a big deal to these communities. And yep. that's going to put it in some jeopardy. And, and I feel terrible about that. If this is, if this is true, that is, that is tough. That is really well, first tough. We got, first, we got the news of the shrinkage of the minor leagues in, as far as rookie league goes and all that. And that's tough for some of those communities of which you were speaking, Jake. And then you get this kind of knowledge, this kind of news, and it's uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough pill to swallow. However, I'm not sure exactly how surprising it is. Um, well, as far as the news goes, surprising that they um, might not have a season. Is that that where you're getting? I mean, yeah, I, I, just, surprising just doesn't way, have a whole lot to do with it to me. I well, just, just feel bad just because of the COVID situation. I mean, people have been wondering how this was going to repair itself or may be made possible somehow. And we know that minor league baseball obviously depends on the gate. Uh, that's where everything happens. And, and you saw the comments today from Dr. Fauci, right? Yep. About, about how uh, it's, it's just sports can't start yet. Uh, not with people in the stands anyway. And that's, that's the key for minor league baseball for sure. Right. So that's rough, and we'll see the fallout as it continues uh, from there. But to all the folks that work over there at Smith's Ballpark, if this is true, that's tough news for all those good people that you and I both know. And, again, I, I'm sure the bees are going to be just fine, uh, just like the jazz are going to be just fine. You know, it's it's going to take some adjusting and those sorts of things, and we'll see what happens with the jazz season. But, man, it's rough. That's rough news. I, I'm, Did you have I'm really any sorry idea, to hear that. When you first heard about the coronavirus did you did you have any suspicion that it could grow to this proportion and have this kind of devastating effect? Now, obviously, it has tragic effects for those who have had this virus affect their families in, in, in such drastic ways. But, man, the overall impact is, is striking. Yeah, we talked about it before for several days before even the Rudy Gobert game. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was possible. Sure. Hmm. Well, 
I I don't know whether this report has credibility, but it's not shocking, unfortunately. Yeah, it's too bad. It really is. All right, coming up next, uh, we have a partner profile. We've got Greg Miller joining the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, not to be missed. It's the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. Gordon, it's time for another partner profile on the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, he is the co-founder and CEO of Simplus, a pla- uh, excuse me, a platinum Salesforce partner. He's CIO.com and Wall Street Journal contributor, best-selling author, angel investor, and engaging speaker whose company high, uh, company's highly awarded culture ranks among the best in the world. How about that for an intro, Gordon? I've got to come up with something like that for you. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Ryan Westwood joins us now. Ryan, how are you? Thanks for jumping on the big show. Hey, thanks for having us, guys. That intro is too much. Whoever did that in marketing can scale it back. You're not busy at all, Ryan. Not not busy one bit. You you uh, <laughs> you don't multitask at all, do you? You know, I, that's been over the course of several years. But I'd say the main thing is uh, simplest and what we're doing here. Well, tell us a, a little bit about that, and then we'll kind of move on with some other things we have for you. Uh, it's kind of interesting. We founded a company here in Salt Lake six years ago. Um, and what's been different for our business is our employees have been 100% remote since really since our founding. They've spent at least split time at home, and our employees are on four continents, so they're spread all over the world remotely. So we've really had to adapt and understand how to create a you know a positive, caring type culture while people are remote and at home. So we've had a little advantage. And so uh, I've been able to help some people as they're kind of going through the transition now. So what's the key to, to creating that kind of cohesion, that kind of uh, esprit de corps? Well, I think that one of the biggest elements is, and, and this might, you know, might seem obvious, but people forget to have fun. And I think they think, okay, this the virtual world is so much different than in person. And the reality is, is, you can have all the same fun. So a couple things we do, every company meeting has a theme. And so we did one where we said, find the goofiest looking hat in your house and join the call. And I put on a NASA space helmet about 30 <laughs> minutes into the call. I was wishing I would have picked something else. <laughs> but uh, we all wore funny looking hats. Um, another call we did, we just said, find a, a cool spot that you really like or enjoy. And we had employees in front of, you know, like cathedrals in France and sitting in their swimming pool in Miami's with the lap, the, the, they're in Miami with the laptop sitting outside of the pool. It doesn't cost the employer anything, but you create a different experience for the employee than just getting on a mundane call. And, and so there's endless things you can do. One of them we do, we did last week was an encore where you pick your favorite music that you would walk out on stage to. And before anybody speaks, we play your music. Mm. So these are, I think things that employers can do that don't hurt the bottom line that lift people's spirits. What was your, uh, what was your walkout tune, Ryan? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's wave your flag. (laughs) And, uh, 
Man, I think it's a, it's a fantastic song. But I think as a somebody who's, I would consider myself a humanist, and I think just caring about everybody and being inclusive, uh, and it has a great beat. You got to love well, the beat. Jake, what would yours be? Well, I don't know, but yours would be these boots are made for walking. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know what mine would Bancy be. Fancy Sinatra and I have a lot in common. I mean, that's huh? what I'm saying. Uh, but, you know, uh, one thing that's cool, Ryan, and, and uh, I know you're part of the Small Business Task Force with uh, Silicon Slopes, and Silicon Slopes has been so great through this pandemic here in our community on a number of different levels, and I understand that you're doing um, a webinar, kind of sharing some of these uh, tips and things that you guys have had some success with is that right yeah we're doing a webinar and we're just inviting all employers and we some of the things that we're doing we think are really creative and industry interesting and i think they'll help both employees and employers um and i just talked about things that are free but if they wanted to spend a little bit of money you know we've done things that are creative like an Uber Eats gift card and you and then they can have food and we can have lunch together over zoom and just relax and talk during lunch to, to connect during an otherwise maybe a time that you would feel more isolated. Um, another thing we did that was really creative is we hired a chef and we told everyone to just take your laptop to the kitchen and we cooked dinner together, 600 people across the world. Wow. And it was pretty neat. We all enjoyed a meal together. So the these other- are some of the things oh, we'll talk about. Any other advice for business owners of any kind as they are sort of hacking their way through this this difficult time? Well, a couple of things that I would say is one is, is remember, you know, the studies are showing right now that employees are spending two or three more hours working than they were before. Oh. So I would be cognizant of people's mental health. I also, you know, I have two little girls at home. And sometimes you get done with the day and I'm realizing some of the advantages of being in the office and you start to have a little more empathy for your spouses. But when you may feel more stressed with the duties. And so I think employers need to be cognizant of their mental health. And I think that's really, really important that they're a little more lenient in PTO and understand that you know, people can't go anywhere anyway. Um, and, and so, you know, another thing that they can do to help them is we have a few employees that are yoga instructors. And so they just hopped on Zoom and said, you know, anybody at four or five o'clock at the end of the day, you want to get on and do yoga or you want to meditate, uh, we'll host sessions. And again, it doesn't cost the employer anything to be cognizant of their mental um, state and that people are more stressed and offer things that your employees already are doing or can share with the other co- their coworkers. But I think those are small things, again, that make a big difference and make employees feel cared about. All right, Ryan, before we let you go, I need, I need your expertise on a, on a personal matter, all right? Or a show matter, actually, is, is probably more all appropriate. Right. All right. So Gordon and I usually are in the same studio. We're sitting across from each other. And uh, right now we're, we're social distancing, of course. I'm still in the studio, but Gordon is at home. And one of the challenges I faced is when Gordon makes a dirty joke that he shouldn't, I usually kick him under the table quite hard. And now I can't do that. Any recommendations on how I could virtually kick Gordon under the table when he goes too far? I think I think you can send him uh, little mings on uh, on chat, right? Can't yeah. you send him something? Yeah, I could do that. I think he'd have to. Gordon, you'd have to look at it, though, so I can I can do that. Would that work for you? 
I mean, there's no all idea. kinds of the creative things you can do, and sand are amazing now. Okay. All right. I'll no, need, no, no need, no need whatsoever, because all of this is fictionalized. Okay. okay. All right, Mister. B- just, just send gifts via <laughs> chat or text, and, and that'll work. <laughs> well, Ryan, we really appreciate you dropping by the show. I think it's it's great what you guys are doing. Congratulations on all your success at Simplus, but uh, more importantly, thanks for what you do in the community. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Love the show. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate you. That's Ryan Westwood, co-founder and CEO of Simplus, but also doing a bunch of stuff with uh, the Silicon Slopes. He's doing a webinar on how to support employees from home. And this is something that he and his company have had a lot of experience with. So I I think they're just kind of looking to help others in a similar situation. And I I think it's really cool. Gordon, a lot of uh, the themes of our show over the past couple of months has been adapting. And I I like it that that Ryan and those folks are, are, are helping others adapt because they've got a little know-how. I think it's really cool. How advantageous is that? To have that kind of background, that kind of expertise in this day. Holy cow. Awesome. It's great. Uh, And I love it that they're doing stuff to help. I mean, that's that's really valuable at a time like this, and I think that's that's really really cool because we've got to figure out a way to keep things going, life, economy, everything. We've got to you know be creative and be adaptable and uh, ask for help when we need it and give help when we can. Right? I thought it was interesting what he said. Also, that studies are indicating that uh, that uh, people are working more hours. Yeah. Uh, as they are more isolated. Uh, trying to get the work done. We know that's not the case with you, but yeah, in general. In general. Definitely the case with me. What, in between uh, naps? Somebody's got to haul this whole show along. <laughs> You've been very productive, Gordon. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. Uh, Greg Miller is going to join the show coming up next. There's an exciting, uh, uh, speaking of work in the community, the Larry H. Miller Group of Companies is doing a big-time food drive, and we're going to help get the work out. The the Miller family has been very involved in uh, creating this and uh, using their resources to do some good in the community. So we're going to talk about that with Greg Miller coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.